Hello there, fellow warrior and trauma disruptor. And I want to talk to you today about just that, disrupting trauma. In fact, disrupting it for good. You know, most people have experienced trauma at some level. There are those really huge traumatic events, some that go on for a long time. Many are way back in our past, but they're still impacting us. Some of them are little traumas over and over and over. It's kind of funny to even say the word little and trauma in the same sentence, isn't it? But we can have these brief traumatic events that we seem to overcome pretty quickly, but then we have another one and another one, and pretty soon it starts piling on, and we might not even realize it. And Listen, there are many aspects to moving through a traumatic experience. You might be doing some counseling. Maybe you've done some specialized work with overcoming whatever it is that you've had to move through. But at some point, I really believe that we should all choose to disrupt that trauma cycle. You know, the reliving of it over and over and over. So, I mean, really, what does it mean to disrupt our trauma? Let's first look at the word disrupt. What does it mean? Does it mean ignoring? Well, one definition for disrupt is to interrupt or impede. So think about that. That continuous cycle of reliving your pain and your hurt, your fear, that physical or emotional trauma that you've experienced. Wouldn't you like to interrupt that flow to impede the progression, the continuous reliving of that trauma, the thing that's really got you down? When we choose to overcome or disrupt a pattern that's negatively impacting our lives, it can feel like Oh, I'm, I'm ignoring it. Let me just ignore that situation. But that's really not the case. When it's time to stop allowing our trauma to control our lives or define us, it's not burying your head in the sand. It's choosing to stop allowing the traumatic events of our past to ruin the rest of our lives. So I want to kind of address three different statements I just made there. And the first is, that we're choosing to ignore it, bury our head in the sand. You know, just, just, you know, I guess the way to overcome is to just stop thinking about it. I actually don't think that's a very good idea because when we just stop thinking about it, it's still there if we don't deal with it and it's just going to come up later. So I'm not suggesting that we ignore the situation at all. I'm talking about doing the work to rise above it So that we go, yeah, that happened. It's part of my story, but I'm going to stand on top of that story. And uh, and I'm going to talk about using it in a different way a little bit later. But just saying, okay, yeah, that that's really something that's happened to me. I'm not going to just bury my head in the sand and not think about it. I'm going to address it and work on it. And what I really think is that sometimes when we're trying to overcome something, we think so much about that thing we're trying to overcome that we never overcome it. So often we just kind of need to shift our focus a little bit and to really start thinking about other things. Again, that's not ignoring it. I'm saying to start thinking about building up courage, to start getting back our self-worth and our self-esteem 
and our confidence to accepting what has happened without shame or guilt and going, okay, that's part of, of the life story of fill in the blanks with your name. But what it's about is to stop allowing our trauma to control our lives or define us. So when we're constantly thinking about it, we're constantly reliving it. We're not rising above it. We're not overcoming the hold that it has on us. The trauma controls us. You know, it, and it's, it's a beast. You hear me talk about beasts all the time. Do you really want your beast to control you? I know you don't. Heck no. We need to take control of that situation. And control isn't always just like ah, hanging on with a white knuckle grip at all. It means that we move to a different place of understanding, of acceptance, and of saying, okay, well, you know, it's part of my story, but everybody has a story. So I'm going to stop allowing it to control. Or the other thing I mentioned was to define us. And often we wear that trauma almost like a badge of honor. Even though it's a downer, even though it's something that is hurting us and impacting us. But we just talk about it constantly, constantly, constantly. And again, I'm all for sharing your story. I'm not telling you to hide from it. But sometimes we tell our trauma to everybody that will listen and the postman and the dog and every, over and over and over. Let's not forget that, you know, that can even be kind of annoying to other people because they don't feel like you're trying to do anything about it. So there's a difference between sharing and trying to work through it and then just reliving it and reliving it, looking for sympathy. And, and I get that, by the way. I lived as a victim for a long time. I was not the kind of person that told my story over and over. I actually lived, I have these two kinds of victims I talk about. And one of them is the poor me victim that kind of does that. The other one is the victim in disguise. And that was me. So I didn't really do that, but I do understand continuously feeling like a victim. The problem is when you're thinking about it all the time and you're telling X number of people, well, they're hearing it. However, many times you're hearing it every single time. So it's really going into your brain and, and it literally winds up defining us. We all know people who've had a serious health issue and let's face it, that's no fun. And who could blame them? But it defines them. You know, it, it becomes you. And I thought about that a lot when Jamie became addicted to heroin and I had that unfortunate title, mom of an addict. And... <laughs> I didn't want that title. I was ashamed of it. I was embarrassed by it. I'm, I'm here to tell you, you know, you know me, I'm always going to tell you what's what. And I just thought that part of my life became overarching. So while I did still recognize the other pieces and parts of me, it became so big and so magnified that I don't know that I was wearing it 100% as a label, but it's almost as if the rest of my life kind of stopped. And, and this label overtook it. This mom of an addict. I, I'm not even real fond of the word addict. You've probably heard me say that. Even though, I mean, come on, let's face it. You know, people are addicted. I mean, that's let's, I'm not trying to, to uh, pretend that's not real. Um, but that label, that definition also defines people who are living with an addiction beast, right? I'm an addict. I would go to, I went to a couple meetings with Jamie and literally that's what she would say. The first thing to introduce herself, she'd go, Jamie, addict. 
And, and I remember thinking, wow, I was glad she was at the meeting. Don't get me wrong. But I was thinking, wow, that was the first thing out of your mouth. You defined yourself. You labeled yourself. So I think we do have to really be careful not to allow our trauma, our beasts. You know, you could apply this, this what I'm saying here to other things besides trauma. Or you can apply it to anything. Any kind of self-defeating label that we put on ourselves. Gotta not allow these things to control or define us. So really, this is what it's about. I mentioned a few minutes ago. It's choosing. Notice the word. Should I say it again? (laughs) Choosing to stop allowing the traumatic events of our past to ruin the rest of our lives. That's what we do. We just can't seem to overcome. I don't want to say get over it, although I do think there are certain things that people could get over that all of us can get over, you know, and and move past and, and not allow it to really even think about it. But I'm talking about those traumatic things like having a son or daughter in addiction, like a serious health issue, like abuse as a child, like um, maybe it's a divorce. I, I don't even want to name all of the things. You know whatever it is that's happened in your life and nobody gets to decide whether it's traumatic or not. But you, it's your story. But that's, it's our choice. Okay. It's unfortunate. And some people have really had a lot of stuff. I feel like my life's been pretty good, but a lot of it's because I've chosen to look at it that way. I had a really tough childhood. I had all sorts of traumatic things happening, chaos and drama and fear and uncertainty and, and, you know, just a lot. I had a husband who cheated on me, my first husband. I was devastated. It was two months after we were married. That was traumatic. And of course, you know about my daughter and her addiction. You know that she was murdered. We had a friend that massively betrayed us, a financial, you know, really devastating financial event for us. So, I mean, fill in the blanks. We've all had stuff. But we get to decide. That's the cool part. I know. There's probably... Cool and uh, and my traumatic event were probably not something you thought you'd say in the same sentence. I'm not saying your traumatic event is cool. But what is cool about it is that we get to control our thoughts. And, and you know, you've heard me talk about this. What we focus on magnifies. We stare at a minor problem long enough and it becomes a biggie. You focus continuously on a significant issue and it makes it massive. Running the movie repeatedly of a major trauma and it overwhelms us. We are left feeling victimized. And really, that's the big thing. And boy, aren't we in a victim mentality state of mind nowadays. It's crazy. I don't like that at all. It doesn't mean that that certain victimization shouldn't be recognized. Of course it should. But when you live in victim land, there's no power. It's a terrible place to live. I lived there for years. It destroys our self-worth and our confidence and so much more. I know whatever's happened to you is real. It's easy to get stuck reliving your situation, no matter how large or how small. I understand that completely. Sometimes it's as if we want to yell at the top of our lungs. It's not fair. Boy, did I say that about a thousand times. I've discovered that life can often feel unfair. So what do we do with it? I mean, we either sit around like a victim going, it's unfair, it's unfair, it's unfair. Or we choose how we handle what we consider to be unfair. We either stay stuck 
right? Or we rise above those circumstances. We disrupt our thought patterns. And we choose to use our trauma for good. Well, first I wanted to talk to you a little bit about disrupting your thought patterns. And everything really starts with our thoughts. The battle is for your mind because that's where it all begins. Once we experience something, you know, that's really shaken us to our core, we allow our feelings to run the show. But here's the thing. If we begin to harness our thoughts, we can actually control those feelings that keep slamming us back down to the mat. And I realize that it, it seems as if feelings just come out of nowhere, and, and they often do. They really can come out of nowhere. You can hear a song. It could be a smell. It could be just a fleeting thought, something somebody says, and boom, I mean, it hits you out of nowhere. I recognize that for sure. But then what do you do with it after that? That's the key. So if you really begin to learn how to harness your thoughts, that means you can control your feelings most of the time. So here's a quick tip I'm going to give you. And I call it a disruptor word. So the next time your thoughts head you into victim mode, into shame, guilt, self-doubt, fear, running that movie, I want you to disrupt your thoughts with a word. Now, if you've heard this from me before, that's okay. Let's listen to this again, because we often need to hear messages over and over and over to really get them down deep inside and to make us actually move on it and do something. So this word needs to be something that really impacts you emotionally. It really moves you. It's a compelling word for you. So for me, my disruptor word is legacy. And that's because one of my critical missions is to leave a lasting legacy of hope. I want to I wanna make sure that I'm depositing some really good stuff in the world that goes on forever and ever. So if my thoughts are not aligning with that goal, then I say legacy. And you want to do this out loud whenever possible. So what you're doing is, boom, you're disrupting it. And the, that's why the word has to be compelling because it needs to remind you, right? It needs to be, oh, whoa, that's right. Not good. Those thoughts aren't helping me. And then what's really important is you have to replace those thoughts with new ones that support your, your mission or whatever, wherever it is you're trying to go to, whatever, whoever it is you're trying to become. So go ahead and give that a try. Super powerful. One of the coolest things I've ever come up with. Thank you, God. I always feel like these ideas don't really come from my little brain. Okay, so now the other thing, that was a real tip there to help you disrupt your thoughts. You can use it with words and actions and everything else. Now let's talk about disrupting trauma for good. So if you have seen one of my uh, phrases, one of my slogans, disrupt trauma for good, you've probably thought, oh, that has a double meaning, doesn't it? Well, you're right. We are on a mission to help people disrupt their trauma forever. Yes, so that first word part of the word good is the first meaning of the word good, I should say, is forever. Yeah, let's do this for good so that it's done and over and we don't have to keep reliving this junk. But the other part of it, the other meaning is to use it for good, right? So why not? So, you know, I kind of mentioned some of my, of my traumas and, you know, the, the things that happened to me personally, even as a child, they, they really were nothing compared to what was happening to my daughter. I could handle all the stuff, even little Valerie, little girl Valerie that started experiencing things at such a young age. seems like I could handle that and manage that and, and overcome and figure all that out easier than watching my only daughter on that roller coaster from hell headed toward a brick wall with her 
addiction beast driving. That inability to save Jamie from her addiction beast, it nearly destroyed me. So during my 13 years, I rode my own roller coaster from hell with my own beast at the side. Because, yeah, we've all got our own beast. Oh, yeah. At my side, I meant to say he was at the controls. Yep, sitting by my side, but definitely at the controls. It didn't occur to me during those 13 years that I could use any of it for good. It really didn't. I just wanted it to stop. It was destroying me, and I just thought if Jamie could just fix this thing, I could be fine and go back and life would be peachy. Now, don't get me wrong. That would have been awesome. But when I finally found the courage to stand up and take on my beast, another thought did occur to me. What if other people could follow in some of my footsteps? I mean, at this, that point, honestly, I didn't really know what my footsteps were. But what if even one person could find their way up off of the mat? That excited me. It, it excited me. I thought, wow, that I could be used for something like that. How cool is that? But it also terrified me because I didn't know how I was going to do that or if it would even work or if anybody would even want to listen to me. Maybe you feel like that. Can you, can you identify with any of these thoughts that I'm, I'm having on this subject? So while I would rather have met the women I have for different reasons, and yes, some men, but I say women because it has been overwhelmingly women, it's also been my honor to stand in awe of the traumas they're overcoming. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I have some big stuff, but boy, so do they. I'm watching them choose to stand I'm witnessing them using their trauma for good. And it's just so humbling and such an honor to be a part of their lives. Every single person who's had all hell break loose also has an opportunity to do the same thing, that same thing I wondered about, to lead at least one person out of the darkness. So why not you? And I know you might be sitting there right now going, really, I'm down on the mat. Okay, well, maybe you can't lead them out of the darkness today, but maybe next week. Do not think for one second that you have to have it all figured out in order to do this, because you don't. I didn't, and I still don't. I'm far from having it all figured out. I've just figured out some stuff. And I share that with you in hopes that you can do two things. One, get yourself up off the mat, and two, use what I've learned and add it to your story, put in your perspective, sprinkle in your wisdom, and use it to help other people. So I encourage you to commit to these two steps. First, decide that you're going to disrupt your trauma forever. That's, that's that one for good part of it. Just decide that. Two, you don't know how you're going to get there. You're not 100% sure yet, but believe that while you're working on that first thing, that you can begin to use your trauma for good. I mean, there's so much value in the road you've traveled. No matter how short, how long, how difficult, how twisty, how many bumps have been in the road, how many potholes, no matter. There's value in that road, in that journey. There's also opportunity in your trauma. Your story matters, so live it courageously. I'm always telling you that. Live it courageously. Stop allowing your beast to control you. Stop allowing trauma to control you. Stop laying down on that mat. That's unacceptable. Yeah, I was there too. So I'm not, you know, I'm not scolding you in, in, in the way that says you should be ashamed or there's something wrong with you. 
I'm telling you that you can get up. You don't have to lay there anymore. You don't have to lay there for 13 years like I did because I'm here to help you get up. And if you've laid there longer, I'm still here to help you get up. You're not alone. One great step would be for you to join us in our private community. It's called the Trauma Disruptors. You can get there at at traumadisruptors.com. If you go to ValerieSilvera.com, there's this bar on the right side of every page. You can click that and join us. Yes, I do have an open Facebook page and, and all sorts of other resources, but what's cool about this is it's a private group. So you're there to, to communicate with other warriors, and we've just begun to create this community. It's going to grow and build and have so many more aspects to it. The most important thing, though, is that you get in there and join and introduce yourself and, and let us know what's going on with you. Because that's, that's the first step in, in connecting with some other warriors and, and not feeling alone. So I hope that you will join me in the Trauma Disruptors at traumadisruptors.com. Stay connected with me every possible way that you can. Because it's important that we link arms. When we're all standing there, I want you to picture this. When we're all standing together, virtually some, someday we'll get these events back going and we can actually do this uh, physically, but we link arms. When we're all standing there with linked arms and one person stumbles and starts to fall, they can't fall all the way down because they've got two other arms linked with theirs. That's the way I want you to think about the trauma disruptors. That's the way I want you to think about yourself, your importance to this community. Okay, so join us. I'll look forward to seeing you there. And until the next podcast episode, don't forget that you're not alone, that there is value in the road you've traveled. Your story matters. I want you to live it courageously. And let's do this. Let's disrupt trauma for good.